0: Hello and welcome to the FT Advisor podcast, the weekly podcast series brought to you by FT Advisor. Each week, we'll be joined by guests from the industry to discuss the week in news and the most pressing industry issues. I'm David Thorpe, reporter at FT Advisor. Joining me today are Job Curtis, manager of the City of London Investment Trust, and Mike Bell, global market strategist at JP Morgan Asset Management. Welcome to you both, and thank you for joining us today. UK equities have been in the doghouse for most of the period since twenty sixteen, with huge outflows as political and economic uncertainty ruled the day. But as twenty twenty dawned with a little more clarity, sentiment seems to have improved, so is there value to be had? Mike, Flow's data shows that there has been a sentiment shift towards UK equities, but to what extent has the changed political outlook been priced into? UK asset prices. Is the wall of cash still waiting on the sideline?
1: Well, when you look at the flows, what you're seeing at the moment is that there was a significant outflow from 2016 onwards until around September of last year when some money started to move back in. But so far, only about 10% of the money that came out from 2016 has gone back in. So were we to see all of the money that came back out come back in, it suggests there's still about 90% of that outflow to go. Um, You have seen a bit of a repricing in terms of UK equities in the last few months, Um, but nowhere in the UK equity market looks particularly expensive by historic standards. Uh, The mid-cap part of the market's moved a little bit higher than the FTSE 100, for example, on a valuation basis, but uh, relative to the high levels of valuations you saw in the early 2000s, nowhere looks particularly expensive.
0: Job, your um, investment trust has been issuing equity pretty pretty consistently over the past um, year or so. So can you still find
2: value for all this uh, extra cash that you're you're putting into the market? We're looking at some of the major measures of valuation. I mean, dividend yield, for example, of UK equity market as of today is about 4.1% on the FTSE all share. Obviously, that's a market cap weighted index. And the yield is to some extent propped up by some very big companies on big big yields but even the average company is yielding over three percent which does look good value relative to you know what you can get in fixed interest or on bank deposits and particularly given you're getting some low single digit dividend growth across the market as a whole I mean I would agree the mid caps had a particularly um, strong move and some sectors have done very well since the election such as house builders and utilities but I certainly do see value across the market you know other areas like financials um, haven't moved nearly as much to what extent should the undulations, speculations, and headlines
0: around the ongoing Brexit process be in the minds of investors looking at UK equities now? Is it something that you that you care about? If, if a headline appears tomorrow, does it feed
2: into your process? Well, I think we're in a better position than we were because the political paralysis has ended, and we've got a government with a majority. in. and Secondly, we we know we have actually left the EU, but obviously the trade agreement is very much um open for negotiation and, um, and this will matter in the markets. And I think sterling's the thing to watch and that does tend to move uh, according to sort of what the prospects, you know, are, are for what type of deal. But having said that, you know, our political stability looks better um, than, than most of the countries in Europe at the moment. So, so I think um, it, it's definitely an improved situation than it was. Thank you, Mike. What's, what's, your, what's your view on that? Will, will the uncertainty
0: ramp up as the year goes on and does that matter to investors?
1: I think prior to the election, investors, particularly international investors looking at the UK stock market, were faced with two risks, the Brexit risk and the risk of a more left-leaning Labour government. So that Labour risk has clearly been removed now. And you've seen some of that reflected in stock prices as companies' nationalisation risk, for example, has been removed from the utility sector. Uh, But the Brexit risk still remains with the ongoing uncertainty around what what the trade deal will look like. As the year progresses, I think that could potentially inject a bit of volatility into UK equities. Uh, Our base case assumption is that pragmatism will win out in the end, come the end of the year, and that there will be some concessions on regulatory alignment in key sectors. Uh, so that you don't get too much of a major disruption come the end of the year. But the market could certainly be a little bit choppy through the year as headlines might get worse before they get better.
0: It's it's one of those market adages that a significant proportion of the earnings of the FTSE 100 come from come from overseas, which in many ways makes the, the FTSE 100 inversely correlated with the performance of sterling, which, which, as Job mentioned, could be rocky and could be where we see this volatility come through. To what extent are investors in UK equity mandates reliant on on global economic growth for those overseas earnings?
1: Yeah, if you look at the FTSE 100, about 75% of the revenues come from outside of the UK. So what's going on in the rest of the world matters a lot more uh, than it does for uh, what's going on in the UK economy. Um, As you move down the size scale in the market, that shifts a little bit. But still, for the mid-cap part of the market, about 50% of revenues come from outside of the UK. So the rest of the world certainly matters. And there we're seeing tentative signs of some improvement. So a lot of the data over the last 15 months or so had been decelerating in the US, likewise in Europe, particularly in the manufacturing sector. And yet we've seen some evidence of a pickup. Uh, in some of those manufacturing surveys and signs that perhaps the global economy is starting to improve. Of course, the uncertainty out there is around coronavirus. And to the extent to which that will disrupt that nascent recovery over the coming couple of months, it seems highly likely that the global economy will take a bit of a hit over the next few months because of coronavirus. And the big question on our minds, and I think for investors at the moment, is to what extent do we see a V-shaped recovery in Q2 um, or not? To
0: what extent as a as a UK equity manager, given the increased uh, political certainty that we've had, to what extent have you moved maybe away from those international earners and, and more towards the domestic stocks that were kind of the most unloved bit of the most unloved market?
2: Uh, yes, I think um within the FTSE, uh, the fund I manage at City London Investment Trust is quite heavy in house builders and we're also overweight utilities and we're also overweight domestic banks, which haven't um, performed yet. Um, it, so, um, you know, I have, I'm sort of overweight domestic FTSE stocks. Um, but as we've been discussing, obviously, the FTSE is full of large international companies and they are very much linked into the sort of global growth, and um, you know sectors like oils and mining, for example. And there are also uh, other kind of non-cyclical sectors like pharmaceuticals, which are you know major parts of the footsie. So the, what's happening in the rest of the world does matter to the UK market. You can't be ignored at all.
0: In terms of valuation, is it the case that those overseas earners are, are trading and still trading at a very substantial premium to the domestic earners?
2: It's. I think it's. Depends um where you look at it. In, in in general. That's that's the case. I mean, some some sectors, on, on overseas, some of the commodity sectors, you have to kind of look through current year earnings, and so um, it's, it's actually quite a complicated question to, to to answer. But I think within the market, the mid two fifty is standing at a premium relative to small cap, which is quite intriguing, and and the footsie. So um, I think kind of some of the kind of people managing large cap funds have moved more into to mid cap, and some of the people. Are, Managing small caps probably an effect of the Woodford um, uh, problems, you know, have, have kind of tried to get their portfolios being a bit more liquid and sold small cap in favour of mid two fifty. So I think the mid two fifty has benefited, uh, and is is kind of on a better value, a higher valuation than than the other parts of the market at the moment. Mike, do you echo that
0: view? Is it is it time really to, to look at the two fifty and, uh, and and small cap land um, for for value relative to the to the hundred?
1: Yeah, I mean, just putting some numbers on what was discussed there, I mean, I think you've got the mid-cap part of the market trading on a forward P of about 15 times today, compared with the FTSE 100 on about 13 times. And then the small cap part of the market is on about 11.5 times. Um, So it's quite unusual that you've got such a gap between the valuation on mid-cap and small cap companies. So I think perhaps the opportunity in terms of not being priced in yet lies more in the small cap space than in the mid cap space, where some of the good news following the election and a reflection that perhaps the Brexit risks have dampened somewhat uh, may already have been priced in. The thing I would say when looking at mid versus large is that if you look at the UK fund space as a whole, the average UK fund has about 50% in mid and small cap companies compared with the FTSE all share of about 20%. So the average fund is already taking a massive bet on mid and small cap relative to the index. I think that perhaps you can make a case for having a moderate overweight to the small cap bit of the market, which remember is only about 2% of the all share, but taking a Thirty percent overweight seems like a pretty punchy bet, given the ongoing uncertainty around the economy and the Brexit outcome. Joe, obviously, as
0: an income trust manager, one of the first things you have to have to look at is is the yield on this stuff and small caps traditionally yield less. But what sort of uh, exposure do you, do you have there, and would you traditionally
2: have to mid and smalls? Uh, well, City of London is predominantly in large cap um, stocks, and that is where the better yield um, in the market, I mean the FTSE 100, is yielding over four, whilst the um, small caps yielding about 3.5 at the moment and the mid-250s yielding 3.0. So, you know, there is b- better yield. Obviously, you've got some of the companies in the FTSE. you can argue are more mature, less good dividend growth prospects. Um, but certainly I find, always found the UK market a very good market for dividends, it's a strong dividend, paying culture, and that's important as part of the return, very important part of return for, for investors. And so I'd see that as a positive about UK equities longer term. Mike? My- as a representative of a sort of large global forum, do
0: you feel that the the reputation, if you like of the u k market, which was so out of favor and so unloved as a result of political uncertainty, has it started to turn around internationally have have international asset allocators started to look differently at the u k again or or is it still very much people on the home front piling back in?
1: Yeah, I think speaking to international investors, certainly prior to the election, there was as much concern about the potential for a radical shift to the left in uk politics as there was about the potential brexit disruption so i think international investors are looking at the uk now still unsure about how the brexit trade negotiations are going to pan out and therefore still uh, not looking at it as a clear path of improvement ahead certainly some uncertainty but at least having removed one of the political risks in terms of the potential shift to the left that we could have seen uh, under a Labour government Um, so with that in mind I think investors are looking at it again you clearly have seen some money come back into UK one of the key reasons for that is the income when you look across the world the income yield on uh, the UK market is very favourable compared with any of the other major markets out there Uh, you've got about a 2% dividend yield in the US compared with about a 4% dividend yield here in the UK. Um, So I think for those income hungry investors, they're certainly having to look again at the UK in this environment. Um, But to really see the money that came out since 2016 come back in, in a significant way, I think we need clarity on what the future trade relationship with the EU is going to look like. And that's probably going to take at least until the end of this year. Joe, one of the points that's often
0: made about the, the UK market, and the, particularly the FTSE 100, is um, the reliance for, for dividends that the FTSE 100 has on a very small number of companies. You know, Shell is a, a huge part of the, dividend uh, for the whole market, but there's a small number of those mega caps. Yes, I mean, is that something that um, investors should be concerned about, and what, what can they do about it, essentially, or what can you do about it as a as a as an
2: investor? Uh, well, that's true. The, the, we have got some very large companies which are on high yields, but even if you go outside them, the rest of the markets. As I was saying earlier, the mid two fifty, which is the lowest um, yielding strata of the market, still yielding three, which is uh, by comparison, the U.S. market's only yielding two. So, I would say across the UK market and and. Uh, as has just been discussed, the fact we're not having a radical shift to the left is, is very positive for investors, both um, overseas and domestic investors. And the other thing worth mentioning is we have a very open system in corporate control. And when the market was very out of favour over the summer, it was interesting to see a number of takeover bids for UK, mainly m- mid-cap companies, in fact, um, from overseas in- institutions or investors. We own Green King, the pub group in City London, and that was bid for by CK Asset of Hong Kong. And, um, and that just showed... Uh, And that's the UK system working we have this open system of corporate control. So if the value emerges, you know, it it, it tends to get realised. You mentioned earlier in the conversation about
0: the attractiveness relatively of of the UK equity market to to cash at the bank, to interest rates and to to guilds. Yesterday we we had inflation in the UK come in at 1.8%, which was a bit higher than um expected. To what extent is there a risk that the yields bond yields spike in, in the UK and what would that in in 2020 or 2021 and and how would that impact on, on your portfolio and on the market
2: generally? Well I think yield yields have stayed way lower than many people expected. It reflects very low inflation we've had generally low interest rates and also low Yields elsewhere in developed countries, um, but obviously, you know, we're probably going to get some fiscal stimulus going forward um, from from the new government. And um, you know, you do wonder when ten-year gilt yields are as of today about 0.55%. percent. Um, it, it is extraordinarily low. Um, you know, if inflation is not dead, it, there is, must be some risk of, um, of of yields um, going to the upside. But it's some. Um, it, it's a brave person who forecast that because they have have stayed so much lower than everyone really most people expected for a long time. Mike I mean this has been as
0: long as I've been in this industry I've heard people for very legitimate and logical and cogent reasons say you know bond yields can't get any lower Uh, they'll have to rise from here there's inflation in the system and every year rolls by and it doesn't really happen for a prolonged period of time. The idea that the UK 10 year, given all of the uncertainty that we've had, given all of the uncertainty we still have, is not 0.55 percent is it just seems not logical. And yet there it is. The last time I looked, it was not 0.65. So it's it's coming down rather than going up do you see any risk to the upside for for gilt yields from here for inflation from here interest rates etc
1: i think not enough to rock the equity market so it's plausible we are seeing the uk economic data bounce quite strongly at the moment a range of business surveys consumer confidence and surveys for estate agents for example suggest that the data has bounced quite materially in the last month or so if the coronavirus risk dampens down a little bit and people become less worried about that. And potentially with some of the changes that are going to come through in terms of immigration, that could start to put some further upward pressure on wage growth. Then it's not implausible over the next couple of years that guilt yields could move a little bit higher. But if guilt yields went from around 05 to, let's say, 1%, I don't think that's going to rock the equity market. If you saw a very sharp, move higher, which I think is unlikely, then equities might not like that. But a a gradual drift higher, which I think is probably the worst case scenario for gilt yields, is probably not going to pose a major challenge to equities when you're looking at a 4% dividend yield on equities compared with a 0.5% yield on a 10-year gilt.
0: One of the features of the inflation data yesterday was how it seemed to largely have, have risen as a function of supply side considerations rather than demand picking up to an exceptional extent, is that where the risk is that we get, I don't know, significantly weaker sterling or, as you mentioned, the immigration reforms? Is that where the risk is uh, to higher inflation on the the supply side and not as a function of greater levels of demand in the economy?
1: Yeah, I mean, you've clearly got very low unemployment rates by historic standards. And now these new changes in terms of immigration, which will further constrain the labour supply at a point that's in the economic cycle where it's already quite tight Um, and you add into there the fact that since 2016 the key feature of the uk economy really has been that business investment has been on hold so when you look at G7X UK business investment has continued to move higher, whereas UK business investment has basically been a flat line over that period. And I think absent more clarity on what the trade relationship with our largest trading partner is going to look like, you're unlikely to see a material bounce in UK business investment, which would help increase the supply side capacity of the economy. So um, I think that is where the inflation risk potentially comes from but likewise in an economy where even with fiscal stimulus you're probably looking at growth of about one to one and a half percent and the likelihood of you getting a significant inflation pickup seems pretty low
0: job as a fund manager you obviously meet meet company management's for those that have significant operations in in the UK or are exposed to the UK
2: economy and consumer, what what message are they are they coming back with? Uh, well, we're about to sort of see a lot of companies because of the uh, December year end. Companies are you know now coming around to see um, investors after their um, results have been published. Uh, so we haven't seen a huge amount um, since the start of the year. But um, you know I would echo what was said previously that the the tight labour market must be. Um, you know, a, a slight concern for for some businesses which are very dependent, um, and it's been something of a puzzle. It's, it's true also in, in other countries where, where we've got fairly full employment, like in America, and there hasn't been more more upward wage pressure. And but maybe with the additional immigration, further immigration controls coming in, that might might cause cause a bit of pressure there.
0: Thank you, and thank you both for joining us. Tune in next week for the next edition of the FT Advisor podcast.